Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in 1 Corinthians. We just saw a famous verse, chapter 10, verse 13, a theologically very important verse that puts temptation in perspective, sin in perspective, and illuminates the culpability that we have for every last sin that we commit, that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, that every time we are tempted, God always provides a way out. So at the end of the day, our sin is our own fault. God, as in the case of the book of Job, provides parameters within which the enemy must abide when attacking us. In all of Job's cases, he never sinned by accusing God of wrongdoing. According to the book of James, we never sin by, we ought not sin by accusing God of having tempted us. Rather, we are carried away by our own desires when temptation seizes us and we give in to it. And every time we're tempted, it's within the realm of our self-control. And we are always provided a way out by God. So as we work our way into to chapter 11, which is going to have some very specific and contextualized theological polity like for the church, when you're tempted and that way out appears, don't let it pass you by. I've counseled like young people, you know, where uh, this guy is trying to hold on to his purity and he's dating this really great godly woman and the two of them are alone in a house with nobody around nobody expecting them no accountability watching a romantic movie sitting on the couch together and then they get tempted well it's like yeah well no duh man of course you got tempted the way out was when you planned your date <laughs> the way out was before you walked into a tempting situation don't act like I have, to, I have no clue. Somehow we just got tempted. Well, yeah, no, duh, you got tempted. The way out in that case was way back there, man. Don't make any plans to gratify the flesh. We sin when we do that, when we facilitate and accommodate and even make plans for and budget toward our own indulgence or overindulgence, whatever the context may be, in what will be sin we then blew right past the way out. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's 1 Corinthians 10, 14. So then, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I'm speaking as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I'm saying. He's gonna say that multiple times in chapter 11. Like, judge for yourselves, like you know this, it's obvious to you. Judge for yourselves what I'm saying. The cup of blessing that we bless is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, since all of us share in the one bread. This also ties into what he's gonna give in chapter 11 about communion. So he tells them outright, just flee from idolatry. Idolatry in particular was at the epicenter of the Corinthian context. We've seen this in our curriculum. We've seen this in last weekend's sermon. In chapter eight, he's telling all the Corinthian believers, look, give up whatever's gonna cause your brother to stumble back into idolatry. Uh, give up your freedom to eat the meat sacrificed to idols. Chapter nine, look, I, as I'm asking you to do that, I myself, I'm giving up my own right to a salary. And all of it ends with this plea 
to run the, ra uh, run the race so as to win it, to reach people, do whatever it takes to win people, become all things to all people, to win some to Christ. Chapter 10, this warning about those who have fallen when they allow sin to corrupt them. And so you can see how when we arrive at verse 14 of chapter 10, that he's warning them about idolatry. If they just let a little bit of idolatry creep back into their lives. They used to, some of these guys used to be idol worshipers. And okay, maybe I'll have a meal at the temple. Maybe I'll share in this meal publicly. And maybe I'll just dabble a little bit in some of the same practices of idolatry that used to be a part of my life and very commonplace. And when we do that, we blow past the way out. I wrote a book for Lifeway called The Way Out. It, it, they just, you just, you just missed your exit, bro. You just went right past it. So that's where chapter 14 brings all of that together. This theme that has been introduced from chapters past, introducing a theme to come in chapters future. Look, flee from idolatry. We're all culpable for our sin. When we are tempted, God does not allow us to be tempted uh, beyond what we're able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you will be able to bear it. So then, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Just flee from it. Just get it out of your life. When we were taught by Jesus to pray, we, we were taught, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Just flee from sexual morality. Free, flee from idolatry. He told us to flee from sexual morality in chapter seven when giving these instructions, uh, chapter six and chapter seven, when giving us instructions for how to honor God with our bodies. And now he's telling them flee from idolatry. Just Get away from the stuff in your past life that used to drag you down. In their case, it was idolatry. And he, he reminds them of what communion teaches. Like, get out, get out of that idolatry stuff. You're a part of the family of God now. You are one with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You share the same cup of blessing. You share in the same bread. You're all one body. You're a part of God's people now. Verse 18, consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? What am I saying then? That food sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But I do say that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I don't want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or are we provoking the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So he ends this discourse that is really, it's really chapters long by saying like, cut the idolatry out completely. That you drink from the Lord's cup. You eat the Lord's bread. You are one body with your church family. Get this other stuff out of your life. You can't share in the Lord's cup and the cup of demons. You can't eat the Lord's bread and the bread of demons. Don't compromise with your past life in idolatry. Don't provoke the Lord to jealousy. I'm speaking as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I'm saying. Flee from idolatry. It's a beautiful story of repentance. And you'll see this as well. If you're a brand new Christian, you're a baby Christian, you're going to see the, the enemy sometimes try to just lead you back into it. Uh, and when we, when we talk about this with uh, a life devoted to repentance from sinning with alcohol in particular, Alcoholics Anonymous have a funny term for it. They call it stinking thinking. The idea like, I can go back into that lifestyle for a little bit. And they're not off, really. <laughs> like they're not, they're not that far off, theologically speaking. It's kind of what, what Paul is saying, but in the context of idol-worshiping Corinthian people. Don't, don't abide just a little bit of 
demonology. <laughs> don't like in your in, in your Bible study. Don't don't abide just a little bit of demon worship. It's like saying I, I've got a faithful marriage. I just I just have a little bit of adultery in it. <laughs> like I've been walking in repentance. I just murder a little bit. Just a little bit of murder. Not too much murder. Just a, li just a little murder. <laughs> it's like no, flee from all of it. No adultery, no murder, no idolatry, no demon worship, like none of it at all. Flee from all of it. You drink the Lord's cup. You eat the Lord's bread. He is your Lord. You can't have both. You can't worship two gods, okay? This is your family now, so flee from idolatry. Don't abide temptation. Take the way out that God always gives you. If you got to walk past a, demon, a demonic temple that serves delicious steak at the front of it that's going to lead you back into your old way of life, find a new way home, buddy. That's what Paul is telling the Corinthian believers to do. How do we apply it to our lives today? Well, that's what you know better than I do. What is it in your life that's gonna drag you back into your old ways? What's gotta go? Flee from it. Right. Yeah, but Jesse, just a little bit of demon worship. No, Carl, we've talked about this. No, not in, no, I, no idolatry, no demon worship, not even a little bit of it, okay? Holiness means holiness, and so you, you don't compromise with sin. You cut it out of your life. You pick a fight with it. You draw a line in the sand, right? Flee from idolatry. Paul tells the Corinthian believers, flee from whatever drags you back into your old life before Christ is what I say to you, to the glory of God. This is your table where you eat. This is your bread. This is your cup. This is your family. Don't provoke God to jealousy by inviting some of your pagan faith beliefs back into your Christianity. Flee from that stuff. You're his now.